pretty sure there's three groups of people here today. How many of you would consider that you are, you're, you're younger this morning? Just whatever that may be. You're, you're younger, okay? It's okay. You can raise your hand. You don't want to offend the older people, okay? <clears throat> you see how polite our younger people are. They're all kind of like this. <clears throat> and then Donna's raising her hand. Absolutely. <clears throat> That's right. I won't be like Donna. Cindy as well. Absolutely. That's right. I'm younger. Okay. All right. How many of you would say, well, you know, I'm kind of somewhere in between. I'm in the middle. That's me right now. I'm kind of in the middle. I wish I could say I was younger. Listen, I walked into, I walked into a, to a team meeting the other day for the baseball team at Callaway County High School, and I didn't have my hat on. <laughs> and I, had, I did not realize those boys had never seen me without a hat. <clears throat> now, some of y'all have never seen me with a hat. And coach, one of them goes, Coach, what happened? I said, what are you talking about? He said, your hair. He said, I didn't know you didn't have any. I said, yeah, you know. It's just, so anyway, so I'm in between, right? How many of you would say, you know what, if I'm honest today, I'm getting a little older. Just anybody? Yeah, some of us, yeah. Some of, I, I, some of you felt it this morning, right, when he got up? Yeah, I hear you. Well, you know, when you're younger, you, you're, you're, you're in that searching phase, Man, I'm searching. Who am I going to be? What am I going to do? How am I going to make some impact on this world? Where do I need to go to school? What do I need to do for a living? Who, who am I going to marry? All those different things. When, when is it that we do this and that? And you're searching for those answers when you're younger. And some of you say, well, man, I'm still searching. I'm older. Well, I'm sorry, but, the, but that, you missed it, all right? Anyway, <clears throat> but you're searching when you're younger. Now, when you get to the kind of in the middle, you know, you just working all the time. Anybody feel that? You're just working and working and working and working. You're always working on something, whether it's your job or your family or your finances or your future or, hey, one day I'm going to do this. I'm working and working and working. It seems like when you're in the middle, it's you never get a break. And then when you get older, you might have the chance to be resting just a little bit. Some of you say, well, you know, I, I'm busier now than ever. But I would venture to say that, that those who get a little bit older, you're the folks that could take a nap in five minutes if you sit down that long. That's just the way that it is. My dad is great at that. He'll sit down for any length of time if he doesn't move or have, if we don't move him a little bit, there he goes. He's just out. Some of you, you just get to rest when you get a little bit older sometimes. Now, in a spiritual sense, we've got those same groups of people here today. We've got some folks who are spiritually searching and you're, you're looking for answers and you're looking for what you're going to believe. And, and you're, you're not quite sure yet, but you're acting like you've got it all together, just like the younger people do. And then we've got some folks this morning who are spiritually working and you're working real hard to keep it all together. You think, I'm going to do the right things, and I, I'm going to do what I, what I know is best, and I'm really working hard. <clears throat> and then we've got some who have finally discovered that it's okay to just simply be resting spiritually. Resting in the fact that you don't have to pretend like you've got it all together, like you're searching. You don't have to work to keep it all together, but you can trust that Jesus has it all together. And some of you have discovered the secret of that resting. And the invitation today, by the way, is to join that last group. To join the group that's resting and trusting in Jesus. But the message today is for the first two. Those of you that are searching this morning, wondering what to do, th those of you who are working this morning spiritually, trying so hard to get God to be okay with you, the message today is for those who are searching and those who are working, those who, who want and need to be resting. The story of Easter, at least the episode that we'll see this morning, really gives us three options as we'll look at. If you got your Bible, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 20. 
There are some Bibles there in, in and among the pews. If you didn't bring one this morning, that's fine. We've got one provided for you. And if you don't have a copy of God's Word that you can, can read and use yourself, we encourage you to take the one that's there in the pew. You don't have to tell us. Just take it. That's fine. That's what they're there for. The, the Gospel of Luke is in the New Testament. If you don't know the Bible very well, don't let that stop you this morning. That's okay. The Bible's divided into two parts. The first two-thirds, in length anyway, uh, is called the Old Testament. And the latter third in length is the New Testament. And so if you turn about two-thirds of the way through, you should find somewhere, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, somewhere in there. Those are the Gospels. We're in the Gospel of Luke this morning, chapter 23. And we're looking, of course, at the story of the crucifixion, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're going to focus this morning on verses 32 to 43. Luke chapter 23, verses 32 to 43. The, The version I'll be reading of may be a little bit different from yours, and that's okay. Follow along. Two others, criminals, were also led away to be executed with him. When they arrived at the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. And then Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. And they divided his clothes and cast lots. The people stood watching, and even the leaders kept scoffing. He saved others. Let him save himself if this is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him. They came offering him sour wine and said, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. An inscription was above him, This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him, Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him, Don't you even fear God? Since you're undergoing the same punishment, we are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. You heard this story in the song that we played at the very beginning by Third Day called Thief and the drama that plays itself out in the last hours when Jesus was on the cross. Now what's already happened, of course, is Jesus has been accused of blasphemy. He's been put on trial and he's been convicted of this particular crime, they say, and he has been crucified in the place of a sinner named Barabbas. And Jesus was led away and nailed to the cross, two criminals here with him. That's what's happened so far. Of course, what will happen is he will die and be buried And then on the third day, as he promised, he will be raised again to promise all of us eternal life. And what we're going to look at this morning, of course, is this interaction that he has with these criminals hanging on the cross. But I don't want you to miss what he's doing before. When he says, and this may be the message that some of you get this morning, when he says, as he hangs on the cross, Father, forgive them because they don't even know what they're doing. I want you to know this morning that whether you are a great, great person in your eyes or in the eyes of anyone else, that Jesus offers you forgiveness for your sin. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5 that right in the middle of our sin, right in the middle of all the stuff that we do wrong, right in the middle of rejecting Jesus, right in the middle of our unbelief, that he died for us. And I want you to know that as Jesus hung there and looked out at the crowd that had just cried crucify him and he looked out at the hateful faces and those who mocked him and spit on him and stripped all of his clothes off and then cast lots as if they're gambling for his clothes and they called him the king of the Jews in a mocking fashion. It's that Jesus who looked out on the crowd and he said, forgive them. Father, they don't even know what they're doing. 
And Jesus loves you and has compassion on you this morning. Even you who showed up to church feeling as if you're the most rotten, awful, terrible person who ever lived. Jesus died for you. We're going to look this morning at three options that you can have as a result of this particular Easter story. Three equations, if you will. The first is anything minus Jesus, and that will equal that searching that we talked about. I think this really is what the first criminal shows. He's joining in the insults, as it says there in these verses. He doesn't believe that Jesus really is the Messiah. He said, hey, if you're who you say you are, why don't you do something about this? I don't think you really can anyway. He wants to use Jesus if Jesus actually could do something. He wants to use Jesus for his own purposes. He's still searching, it seems, doing whatever he wants. He's not remorseful for the crimes that he's committed. He's not remorseful for the things that he's done wrong. He's looking for something in religion that will will just help him, just kind of add something to his life. But but it's really, it's anything minus Jesus. I don't want anything to do with this this Jesus. Maybe if he can do something for me, fine, but... But maybe not. We search, as I talked about, we search religiously, spiritually for lots of answers. We search for the answers to life's biggest questions. Why am I here? Why is the world so messed up? What's going to fix it? What am I supposed to do with my life? What purpose is there to life in general? What, what happens when life is over? We, we search for those answers, and there are lots of things that are put forward to say, here's the answer to those questions. Here's the answer to your search. And if our equation is anything minus Jesus, we're going to keep searching and searching and searching. Now, we, we look to different things. We hold up things in our lives that eventually lead us maybe into what the Bible calls idolatry, which is worshiping anything but God alone. And so we hold up things that we think are going to help us. So we, we try to earn money or have a particular lifestyle or, or an image or a job. Or, or we pursue things like power and sex and appearance and beauty and so on or achievement. And we think that if we can just get enough of those things that we will have ended our search for life's biggest questions. But the problem is that those things offer so much and they deliver so little and they destroy so completely if that's what you hold in your hands. That search, if you're doing it in those ways, will keep you searching. Others have searched and they say, well, you know, it, let's just, let's just kind of say that everybody's, everybody's sort of right. Back in the first century when this story was taking place, the religious culture was one of pluralism. They worshiped lots and lots of gods. Greek and Roman culture, all kinds of gods and goddesses. And, and the Romans back then, they were okay with any kind of religion so far as it meshed with their religion. You, well, you, can, you can worship your god, but you have to worship our gods too. And it doesn't sound too unfamiliar, does it? It's just the way our society works even today. This kind of view, this search would say, well, Jesus is a good path. Maybe he'll get you to where you think you might want to go, but he's just one path of, of several that could get you to eternal bliss or eternal life or God or whatever it is that you are searching for. And in this view, they'll tell you, just be sincere. They just, just really believe real hard because we're all heading the same place anyway. It's kind of rude and it's kind of intolerant to say that there's only one way. And after all, don't all religions teach the same kind of things anyway? You ever hear those messages? You ever hear those answers being put forth? You ever hear that kind of searching? The problem, by the way, with all of that is that Jesus is not portrayed in the Bible as one way of many. 
He claims, in his own words, to be the only way to get to God. And so, it is logically inconsistent and logically and intellectually hypocritical to say that Jesus is a good man and you can follow him if you want to, all the while recognizing that this so-called good man said he was the only way to get to God. And if he's not the only way to get to God, then that makes him not a good man but a liar and we shouldn't listen to him. And so this searching can lead us in all sorts of different directions and maybe you find yourself there this morning. You searching, wanting to know answers. And it's been for you, really, it's anything minus Jesus, I don't really know, I'm just going to search. Jesus makes exclusive claims that we have to deal with. But some of you are searching this morning. But there's a second equation that we see in this story, and that is Jesus plus something, and that will equal the working part that we talked about earlier. Those that are younger are searching and, and, and those who maybe are in the middle are working. And maybe some of you today spiritually find yourselves really working hard. Now, the second thief on the cross, the second criminal, he's different, isn't he? He has a completely different interaction with Jesus. He, he's probably like many of us here today. He's not a skeptic. Uh, he, he's, he's someone who, who sees things really closer to what they really are. I, I, I would venture to say that most of us here today are probably not totally in that searching phase. Many are, but most of us are probably somewhere closer to this phase. Or at least we understand things a little more biblically, maybe, than the person who's never heard the story before. And what does the second criminal say to the first criminal after the first one says, if you're so great, Jesus, why don't you rescue yourself and us? He says, don't you fear God? Do you not understand and he calls him out. He rebukes him. He, he says, you're hanging here too, by the way, for, for something you did wrong. This man is innocent, unlike us. I mean, picture the scene. Jesus hanging in the middle, one criminal over here, one criminal over here. And they're shouting back and forth at each other. It's a chaotic scene. They're dividing the clothes amongst the people. And they're all screaming and yelling and hollering insults. And these guys are having a, a theological conversation on the cross. As Jesus hangs there between them. The first guy says, I don't know about any of this stuff. I don't think he's got the answers. The other guy says, man, don't you understand that God exists? Don't you understand that you're being punished because you've done something wrong in violation of this God's laws and you deserve, you and I deserve what we're getting? We're hanging here, crucified. By the way, incredible pain and suffering associated with crucifixion. It was the most cruel and humiliating and shameful form of death. In fact, the Romans would not even crucify Roman citizens that way. It was, it was reserved for slaves and those who were non-citizens. And it was done outside the town. It wasn't even done inside town. It was just a shameful thing. A humiliating way to die. Meant to be a public display and a personal deterrent. Don't ever do anything against the Roman Empire because this is what will happen to you. And most of the time they didn't even bury these guys. They just let them hang. And so for days, the birds of the air, as the Bible says, would come and finish them off. Humiliating, awful, terrible way to die. And as they hang there, the second thief, the second criminal says, you, you and I are getting what we deserve. Imagine that. Imagine knowing you deserve that kind of punishment. Most of us would say, well, it ain't that bad. I mean, really, you know, not compared to this guy or her, I mean... This guy says, I'm getting what I deserve. I deserve humiliation. I deserve shame. 
I am bearing my own guilt. I deserve to hang here in anguish and not even be buried. That's what he says. Now, if we stop there with those words, we're at this second Easter option. This guy knows that Jesus is the Messiah, and he knows he ought to be punished himself. This criminal should be punished. He understood that he had done something wrong and needed to pay for it. But if we stop there, we stop where many of us might be today. We know that Jesus is the Son of God. We understand what He did for us. We know and believe that He truly is the only way for salvation. But we are still carrying around the punishment that we deserve. I deserve to be punished for what I've done. And so we work real hard to work off that punishment. Many of us fear God and we know that He's right in His punishment. And so we think we have to pay for it through shame or guilt or doing things to make up for it or working it off or whatever. And you're living that life of just trying to work religiously. I'm, I'm going to do the right thing and so maybe one day it'll be enough. And all the while you're wondering if it is enough. Have I checked all the boxes? Have I, have I paid for it all? Am I, am I out of spiritual debt? Am I giving enough? Am I doing enough? Am I praying enough? Serving enough? Am I avoiding sin enough? Am I reading the Bible enough? Am I going to church enough? Am I making up for my sin enough? Am I doing enough? Am I enough? When will I feel secure? When will I finally feel forgiven? When will I feel new? When will I feel loved? When will I feel like it's all enough? And many of us today are working just like that. We don't want to admit it. But we're working real hard. And unfortunately, though we don't want to admit it, we're adding something to Jesus. We're adding our own work to the work of Jesus on the cross. And we're saying, well, yeah, I know what he did forgives me, but, but surely to goodness there's something I need to do to try to like, complete this, to make up for what I've, for what I've done. Romans chapter 3, Paul in the book of Romans, of course, is great and highlights different things about uh, salvation through Jesus Christ alone. But Romans chapter 3, Paul says in verse 28, he says, We're convinced that a person is justified according to faith and faith alone. Which means that it is through faith alone, through belief in Jesus alone, not anything that you can do, or not even because of what you've done, but through faith alone that we are declared to be right with God. Some people work all their lives trying to get the love of God. And you might wonder, well, okay, I, I kind of get what you're saying, but are you you telling me that, that what I do doesn't matter? Okay, I can go out and live however I want to because I don't have to work for God's love. Paul in Romans chapter 6 would say, no, that's kind of dumb. That's what he said. That was his tone of voice. He said, should we, should we go on sinning because we have God's grace? Should we just do whatever we want to? He said, no, that's kind of stupid, guys. That's kind of dumb. Because once you've understood and once you've encountered the grace of God, your life is forever changed. And now we don't work to get God's love. We, we serve God because he loved us and because we love him. So whether it's searching or whether it's working, there's so many people in our world and so many people in our churches who are doing anything but trusting and resting in the Lord. Now, the second criminal went on, didn't he? He didn't stop with those words. He didn't stop with, we're getting what we deserve. Instead, he looks at Jesus, right? And he says, Jesus, when you enter your kingdom, would you remember me? What does Jesus tell him? I assure you, today, 
or truly, truly, or verily, verily, I believe the King James says, today you will be with me in paradise. I assure you, he says, on a basis of what? How in the world could Jesus assure him in that moment that this man would be with him in paradise on, on the basis of just searching? Well, you know, keep trying, buddy. You're close. You're close to understanding this thing. Once you get it all figured out, then you'll be with me in paradise. On the basis of, of working more, Jesus said to him, well, I mean, you know, if you could do something at this point to make God love you a little bit and maybe make up for some of the stuff you've done, maybe you'd have a shot, but dude, you're hanging on this cross and you're about to die, so sorry. Way it goes. Didn't say any of that, did he? The guy turns to Jesus in faith and says, Would you please remember me? And Jesus responds to that faith and says, I assure you, today you'll be with me in paradise. And that's the third Easter equation, the third option, and that is Jesus plus nothing, which equals the resting that I talked about earlier. He says, You'll be with me. Nothing more to worry about, nothing more to search out, nothing more to work for. Instead, you can now die in peace, forgiven and secure. The second criminal had no chance of doing anything to please Jesus other than to place his faith in him. Understand that. Understand that even in this episode, we get the idea that salvation is nothing but grace by faith. It's not something that we do. It's not something we can earn. It's not something that we can be so good that God says, well, yeah. Or it's not something we can be so bad. It says, well, I'm sorry. It's by grace through faith. For this guy, this criminal, it had to be Jesus plus nothing, didn't it? This guy's about to die. He has no chance. If Jesus alone wasn't enough in that moment, then Jesus was a liar. If it's going to be based on our things that we can do, then Jesus was lying when he said, today you'll be with me. Why? Because that guy couldn't make up for anything. All he did was believe in Jesus. He surrendered completely to him. He believed in Jesus. And when the equation for you is Jesus plus nothing, you can rest in the fact that Jesus is enough. The thief on the cross had nothing but Jesus, but in that moment, of course, he had everything. When, Jesus, when it's Jesus plus nothing, you can rest in the newness that it brings. It's evident that this guy was made new. He turns from his life of being a criminal to faith in Jesus Christ. And at first, the Gospels tell us those two criminals both mocked Jesus. But then one had his life changed for all eternity. And when it's Jesus plus nothing for you, you can rest in hope. Knowing that your death will not be the end. The guy hung there for a few more hours, but Jesus had told him, Today, today you'll be with me in paradise. You don't have to search anymore. In Jesus, all the questions are answered. You don't have to work anymore. Because in Jesus, all the work is done. And you can finally start resting because in Jesus you have all that you need in life and in death and in eternity. Each of those criminals made a choice that day. And the choice is for us the same. In life, what will it be for you? What will it be? Will it be Jesus plus nothing or, or something else? What are you counting on in life? In death, what will it be for you? As the old saying goes, nobody gets out of life alive. 
Death has a pretty good batting average. Thousand percent, right? Death gets a hit every single time it comes to the plate. One day you will face it. Oh, yep, you will. What will it be when you reach those moments? When you reach that moment that you don't even know when it's coming or if you get a chance to see it coming, what will it be? If you're counting on searching, do you have any confidence in that? What if you're wrong? If you're counting on working real hard, how will you know when it's enough? What will it be for you in death? Will it be that I am covered by the death of Jesus Christ? And what about in eternity? What will it be for you? What will it be when life is over and the new life begins? Will it be Jesus plus nothing or something else? If you would, let's pray together.